Hey, welcome back, everybody. Hope everybody's having a great Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, whenever you're listening to this. This is the Life of an Average Joe podcast. I am Brandon Navera, and we are second week into the new year. Can you believe that? Actually, no, wait a minute. One, two, third week into the new year. Oh my gosh, January's about to be done. I feel like once I start a month, I'm like, oh, I only have two days left, and then it's over. That's how fast things go by. I don't, I, 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 this has been a theme for me whenever I talk to people or when I do a podcast or is it amazing just how much time flies? Do we, do I remember this being this way as a child? Cause I don't think it was. I remember countless vacations and Christmas vacations and where we felt like we had eternity to do whatever we want. Like I remember going on Christmas vacation and making it feel like we were gone for months at a time, just months. And when we came back, it was like, oh, my young boy, you're you're grown up now. You're 72 years old. We were only gone for like two weeks, maybe a little over two weeks if we got some snow. But now it feels like I wake up in the morning and I'm like, oh, it's six o'clock. You know, I drink my cup of coffee. By the time I go rinse my cup out, it's one in the afternoon. It's just time does not stop. I don't, Oh, anyway, well, I'm glad you guys are here. I hope you guys have enjoyed the last episode. We're doing a lot of new stuff here. I'd like to thank Nick for being on last week's episode. If you haven't checked it out, I suggest you do. Uh, Nick's a great guy. I uh, met him over on Soundwave, and we like to deep dive and nerd out about pop culture in general, but comic books, Marvel, and our focus was on the Civil War. No, not the Civil War that was fought here. A much more important battle between Captain America and Iron Man. Um... We wanted to deep dive on that and talk about how that set the, the tone and the wave, uh, or the path, I should say, for the MCU moving forward. So for all my comic book nerds and movie buffs out there, I suggest you give it a listen. I'm going to do this one a little bit different, though, and I'm going to talk about something that I've been talking about for what feels like an eternity. And some of you out there are shaking your heads already. You already know. I can, I can feel the earth move from all the head shakes and the eye rolls, and the size. I'm going to talk about my book. <laughs> I, look, this is what it's for. And you know if I'm doing a quote-unquote deep dive, that's been like my favorite word, deep dive. Um, if I'm doing that, you know it is so close to hitting Amazon, to hitting the social media outlets, and to be ready to be purchased. Or if you're one of the lucky ones, have a copy sent to you in the mail, personally autographed by yours truly. I know how important that is and how valuable that is to the tens of people out there. So the book, though, has been something that I thought about for a long time. And I wanted to talk about it. I want to talk about writing in general um, because I love to write. I really do. And it, it's funny because growing up in school and going to school, and I've mentioned this a lot of times. I just wasn't a great student. I wasn't. A lot of it was my fault. You know, probably 80% of it was my fault. I think I'll throw a little blame on my parents. And this is, I know that's not what they want to hear, but it's not a bad thing. I mean, I think every kid's supposed to blame their parents for something, you know? Um, and it's a small percentage. And then I blame some of the teachers because that, that does affect it, especially when you have kids that are different. Not every kid is a cookie-cutter kid that goes to school every day, 
on time, pulls out their number two pencil or their mechanical pencil or their pen, their notebook, their trapper keeper, eyes forward and soaks up all the information from every class. The bell rings. They, they might go to the locker. They might say hi. They might see their girlfriend and boyfriend. They go to the next class. They do it over. And then they go home and they get all their homework done and then they brush their teeth. And Not every kid is that way. And not every kid's even close to that. And I think what happens is a lot of the kids that don't fit, especially nowadays, I dread, I, I, in one aspect, I'm looking forward to my son going to the schools. And in another aspect, I am dreading it. Um, but we'll talk about that when it comes and I'm sure I'll be a wreck. But it's like if you don't fit in the wheel of the scholastic system and the educational system, you get chewed up and spit out. They don't have time for you. You're a troublemaker. You're you you're a boat rocker. You're a rebel. You're just you got ADHD. You're on crack. Whatever the case may be. I wasn't on crack. I didn't have ADHD. I think everybody does. I think that gets over analyzed, but whatever. We'll talk about that. It's a real thing, but whatever. Um actually we're not gonna talk about that because I don't care. We, um, a rebel, what, like any other teenager, you know, but my problem was I just wasn't interested. I didn't find the interest in many subjects in school. I was horrible at math. I still really am. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I'm not good at math at all, especially new math. It doesn't make sense to me. If I come up with the answer and the answer's right, it's right. Why do I got to show you 50,000 steps? And if I show you those 50,000 steps and they're not the right 50,000 steps, why am I, is, why is my answer wrong? It's stupid. Move on. By the way, you don't even need it. Just have a calculator. If you know how to use a calculator or a phone or anything on the internet, you don't need it. Um, I know there's teachers out there shaking their heads too, but I don't care. So... I just wasn't good at it. Now, when I related it to money, I was good at it because I understand money. I definitely knew how to understand how to spend money back in the day, but I understand it. I, I was good at it, which is why at my jobs, when I was running nightclubs and bars and such, I was good at it. I was good at making them money. I was good at marketing. I was good at, you know, looking at figures, profit and loss, all that stuff. It interests me, but when it came to actual basic math, I hated it. Hated it so much that I just didn't do good in it. I failed it a lot of times. Um, I had a tutor for a while. Then they put me in dumb class, and I was in math dumb class, and I passed it because it was too easy. So it was really just whatever. And I was the type of person in school, if I didn't like the subject, I didn't do good at it, which is not what you want to be. That's really the one subject that you should focus on the most. Um, but back then, I didn't realize that. I liked history, social studies, but my, my, my soft spot and my sweet spot was English. Anything connected to English, American lit, Brit lit, world lit, English 1, English 2, English 75, whatever. I loved it. 21st century culture. I loved English. And I had some really amazing... It's some really good English teachers. Like, I can't think of a bad English teacher. And maybe that had to do with the fact that I liked it so much. But I look back at them and they just tried to make it interesting. I liked social studies and stuff like that. And even some geography. But 
some of those teachers sucked, but I still did well in the classes. But English was my, was my, was my thing. And I started writing at a very, very young age. I actually have a book. I, I say it's a book. It's, it's what it's, we've all done it. Maybe, I don't know. And you would write these, you would write a book and you would put it together. And I remember this, this book was this little cardboard. I don't know what grade I was in. I had to be first, second grade, maybe third, doubtful beyond that, probably first. And you took the little, um, not card paper, construction paper, and you cut it and made it into a book. Had like one, two, three, four, four or five pages. And you would fold it, staple it, and we put black tape over the staples as the binding, or the binder of the book. You had to come up with a book, and on one side, you had to write, I think, one or two sentences. Because it was all about writing and learning. This was definitely first grade. And on the other side, you could draw your pictures. Now, I am not, I'm not an artist. God, no. I, I suck at drawing. Um, but you had to draw pictures. And I remember this book. And my idea, I still have it to this day, my idea was of this giant spider <laughs> that came to attack people in the, in the United States. It came from the jungles and went to the United States. Don't, don't figure out how across the ocean, but it got there. And attacked everybody, and it, it attacked the city. I never named the city, I just, the city. But in my drawings, it looked like New York, you know, I, you know, the uh, Empire State Building and Statue of Liberty were there. What, what seemed to be the Statue of Liberty and it attacked it. And then and then what happened was the U.S. Army got it and used it to go attack Russia. No joke. And then eventually it went to live on this mysterious island which had all kinds of other creatures so it was like a jurassic park meets uh it came from outer space meets kong island uh, skull island i don't know but i was into all that stuff because i used to watch all those old movies the thing and and all the monster movies um them and the fly and stuff like that and then of course russia was big you know when i was growing up uh the big thing was talking about russia being the enemy and um, <laughs> shocker here we are today um and all that. So, of course, Russia was the bad guy. So there you go. But I remember writing that book. And I remember spawning off multiple ideas from that. Sequels and other creature features. And I wanted to write more. So at home, I started to write other kind of things in that series. Now, granted, at the time, I didn't know exactly too much of what I was doing about writing. I just kind of started writing similar stories. Length and stuff. You know, 10 pages and not much description or character development, but I started to write those stories. And by the way, I apologize, guys. I'm sitting outside right now because it's like 52 degrees and sunny. But if you hear any noise, uh, trucks or background, I'm not going to edit it out because this is the life of an average Joe. And I'm enjoying my cup of coffee and doing my podcast on a cool, sunny day. So just deal with it. But I started to write a lot more. And then I started as I got older... I started to write similar things like that too. At one point, we actually got to write a book book, with, which was a hardcover book. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And you had to color and design the, the uh, 
you know, the backgrounds and all that in the book, and you had to write your little forward. So it was learning the process of writing, and that story, I think that was a horror story, and it was about a ghost that was coming into people's houses on a, on a block, on a neighborhood, and taking over their house. And I was young. But I was, again, that's what attracted me, those types of movies and stuff like that. that have a really vivid imagination. So it's probably where Luke gets it from. And that's what I wrote about. And then as we got into high school, I started to write different things. I started to write poetry and other stories for school and out of school. I actually got a couple of my poems published in some in the high school, whatever high school magazine. And then I won an award actually, um, for some of my poetry. And I don't, I I never stuck with poetry very much. I enjoy it and appreciate it, but it just wasn't my bag. So I didn't stick with it very much. I did also start to mess around with lyrics. Now I can't sing, but I love music. So I thought to myself, what if I write some lyrics for people that can sing. And I remember Ken and I worked on some lyrics together. We had like a vision of what we wanted with this particular band or he was going to sing. And, you know, and it never went anywhere. You know, the lyrics. I I remember a buddy of mine in school used some of our lyrics for one of his bands um, very briefly. His name was Matt Haggerty. And very briefly used some of the lyrics in a song that he had. But other than that, it kind of fell by the wayside. And then I used to have this, uh, it was literally like a black notebook, and I would carry it with me, small, carry it with me everywhere. And when I get an idea, I would write it down, whether that was a two-sentence whatever that would lead into a story, or I would write a paragraph, or I'd write notes on a story, or a song or whatever, and I go back to that and draw from that, like pull from that, and really start to write things. And I wrote all kinds of stuff. And I'm, now mind you, this this was back in the day when yes, you could write on com- on computers, typewriters, and stuff like that. You couldn't. You, you, the iPhones didn't exist. The laptops, when they started to exist, they were super expensive and much bigger and not easily accessible as they are now. So my writing was old school. And if anybody's ever seen my writing, I write like a doctor, except I don't get paid like one. I mean, it's horror. It's embarrassing. Like, if you put my son and I's writing together, I, you might be able to pick out his over mine. And he's four and still can't really write. So that should tell you something. But I love writing. Um, I, and I still, to this day, matter of fact, I wrote the book all in notebooks. And then I rewrote it, and then I retyped it, and then I went through into Anyway, we'll get to that. Um, so I have all these notebooks in those black storage containers. Not black, those plastic storage containers. Because that's, I get ideas. And I just write stories. I wrote this story that I really thought was cool, and I'd like to maybe, I don't know, do something with it one day. We'll see. Maybe not. And it was just really about my life growing up in high school. It was almost, I don't want to say it was everything that happened to me, but I talk about very specific moments of my life that happened from the death of my friends um, to the suicide, not for me, but 
to people I dated, to a girl that I know, that was a really good friend who, who got really, really sick in high school. And um, we didn't think that she was going to graduate, you know, and my relationship with her and, and, and these scares and, and events that I had in high school that only the people that were involved in those events or that were friends of mine knew about them. You know, parents didn't know people, you know, only the people that were involved. And I, and I wrote it and it's, it, it was all to the end of high school and a little bit after. I changed some of it, obviously. I changed all the names because thank God, because you, otherwise you got to go back and redo them all over again, you know, unless you get like permission or whatever. Um, and I thought it would make a good story because that's when, that's kind of really the seeds of the life of an average Joe. Because I was just a kid, a teenager, you know, growing into adulthood, so to speak, or at least legally, definitely not mentally. And I was just a guy in a small town that experienced what I thought was a lot of things. I mean, when you look back at it, there are some people that have experienced so many things in high school, worse than me, better than me. But there's also a lot of people that just had a normal, nothing high school experience. I look back at it and I'm like, my first year I had two friends die within months of each other, car accident. And I was a freshman, you know. My sophomore year, a friend of mine, actually, yeah, a friend of mine, got, she got really, really sick. And how she got sick was horrible. And I'll just say it. She, she got HIV. Um, she's alive to this day, by the way. So it's pretty amazing. I think it was sophomore year. It could have been junior year. Um, but how she got it was a horrible, horrible thing that happened. And I talk about that time. I mean, I was a young kid, like young, like, you know, I'm in, I'm in a sophomore or junior trying to deal with a friendship of a disease that, yeah, compared to what we have now in the nineties, it was, it's still scary, but in the nineties, I mean, it was a death sentence almost. I had friends that I met from overseas that later on in life were kidnapped and are nowhere to be found. Well, I'll talk about that another day, but yes, you know, like things that I did. I mean, I, you know, went through the drug phase, relationships, the turmoil that come with relationships, the things that can happen when your relationship goes too far, you know. There, there was a lot of things that, that molded me and, and taught me life lessons. And I was just an average dude. I didn't play sports. I was just a guy, you know? And that was the seeds that spawned the podcast and the book and all that. I wrote zombie stories. I'm a big zombie fan, obviously. I used to work at a warehouse in Detroit. And I remember how cold it was. So Detroit's cold anyway in the winter. But imagine you're working at a warehouse where the only heat in the warehouse is a little break room, a little tiny break room out in the warehouse or the office, the little tiny office. Otherwise you're in a cold warehouse that has windows all on top of the warehouse, but they're half broken. So when it snowed, it actually snowed in the warehouse. When you were driving the high low and 
if there was ice on the ground, like water on the ground from the snow melting, it would freeze. You'd have to be careful on the high-low because your high-low could slide. It got so cold that the, the fire lines broke one day. The suppression system snapped. It's crazy. It was a very, and it was in a crap neighborhood, like the crappiest, crappiest neighborhood of Dumpville. Like you think Detroit's got a bad rap. This was like people from Detroit didn't go here, <laughs> except for me. And, uh, but you know, whatever. I learned a lot there. And, um, anywho, I remember I was closing the roll-up door. For those of you that are not familiar with a roll-up door is, it's just a big garage door that semis go through to get to the loading dock to unload their, their product. And I was closing it. It was, it was slow. So it was also super, we were leaving early because the storm was coming. Now, mind you, we're used to this. We're used to bad weather in, in Michigan. If we're leaving early because the storm is coming, this is bad. And I remember pushing the button, and it was so loud. and Like, the thing sounded like it was rusty and, like, needed to be bathed in WD-40 for a year. And it was just rolling down slowly, just making that horrific sound. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm waiting there and just waiting there. And I'm, like, watching the snow coming. And... The whole lot out in, out in front where the trucks were pulling in to back in, the whole lot was covered in snow. You couldn't see it. And I'm going slow, and I thought to myself, what if I had to do this real fast? Like, what if this was a life or death situation, and I had to roll this thing down real fast? Or I'd be dead. And then I thought, oh, man, what if zombies were coming? Ooh, then I got the idea of zombies in the snow. Because you don't see that very often. We saw it a little bit on The Walking Dead, finally. And there was another movie about zombies in the snow. I don't remember what it was called. But for the most part, you don't see that. And then the idea spawned off this zombie movie. Or it's not movie, I'm sorry. Zombie book that I wanted to write or story. And I did. Probably about five notebooks long. <laughs> and I wrote it. And that's just, that's just how my brain works. Even to this day, when I get an idea for a podcast or something I want to put on Soundwave or something I want to, you know, promote, I write it down, whether that's in my phone, on a piece of paper. I printed up receipts, like receipt paper at work and wrote something down. I've sent emails to myself. I just, I, I just have random crap everywhere. And most of it turns into something. Sometimes some of it just goes away or I'll save it. Because it's like a piece of a piece of an idea. And then I'll get back to it. But that's just how I am today. I've, I've had to do it writing. I've pulled over on the side, or not writing, driving. I've pulled over on the side of the road and been like, okay, wait, I got an idea. And pulled over in a like 7-Eleven parking lot and wrote it down. I just, it's like I can't rest until that idea gets out. But all these things, all these stories that I've written and I have a lot of them guys I'm, I'm telling you a lot and some of them most of them will never see the light of day maybe one day they'll put them together in a big book you know short stories from the average Joe kind of like the podcast idea or the podcast segment I don't know man this coffee's legit um but that's just what I think about and I love it I love it now I know I'm not the best writer in the world and I have a certain style and I think I finally when I started this book 
a long time ago, I had the title and the name of the series long before I ever wrote anything down. And then I started writing stuff down five years ago. Before Luke was... mm, No, it was right around the time he was about to pop out. And then I started writing it. And then when he popped out, because I had lost a job at a bar, it just closed abruptly on a Saturday night. No warning whatsoever. Hey, we're closing tonight. Tonight's our last night. Not that there weren't warning signs that this place was struggling, but just completely, see you later. That's it. That's when I decided to finish my book. It almost gave me the inspiration to finish it. And I wrote and wrote and wrote. And I had it just sitting here for the longest time. Because if any of you guys are familiar with writing or painting or anything that you're, you're on an artistic level or something that you do that you're, you take pride in, you can't always just put it out there. You know what I mean? Like, think about somebody who writes a song. How many times? Sometimes they can write these songs in like eight minutes and it's, it's perfect and it goes out there. A lot of times they can over, over do the song. So they're working on it, working on it. No, it doesn't sound good. No, it doesn't. Let's go back. I want it to be perfect. And you can almost destroy a piece of work that way. But sometimes that particular individual knows exactly what they were doing. For me, I borderlined on almost destroying it. Now, look, this book may come out and people might not care at all. And I'm not looking to make thousands of dollars, hundreds. If I make my money back, great. If I don't, I don't even care. I just want it out there because I think it'll be something, not just for my son to read one day, but I think that someone's going to read it and pull something from it. I don't know what, but I think there's a story that needs to be told. And the first one that I wanted to tell and what I think will be a three-part series, because the way I'm writing, and releasing anyway, I'll be dead before I get the, the fourth one out. Um, it's the life of an average Joe, my life behind bars. And it's all about working in the service industry, because that's what I've done all my life, up until recently. Matter of fact, it's, it's, been, it's been such a huge part of my life that I look at my pool of people that I, that I truly, truly connect with. And I'm talking about call, talk to, and I've looked at them over the years. Not that I want to look back at my wedding, because I don't. But I look at the guests there, and I'm like, wow, minus like a very few handful, excluding some family. These are all people that I met working in the bars over the years. I had a beer rep there, for God's sakes. I mean, she was a really good friend, you know? Um, But she became a really good friend. And I had known her for like eight years. Well, now I've known her for like freaking 10, 12, you know? But she became a really good friend, and she was there. And I look, and and so that's the type of impact that my jobs have had on me. And, And I've worked at places where those people were like family. You know, they weren't just employees. I mean, we spent so much time together that we were definitely involved in each other's life to the point that it wasn't about make sure you show up to work on time and do this. Like, we were looking out for each other. 
not every job. Some jobs, they were just numbers. They were spokes on a wheel. They were replaceable, and that is what it is. But we all went through it from the long hours, you know. I mean, people don't realize what goes into a shift on a busy Friday night. They don't realize it. They don't know what's going on in the back. They don't know what's going on with the front. They don't know what's going on on the floor and the bar. They don't know all the little nuances. And that's what you want to run a successful shift. You don't need your crowd, your guests, your audience to know what's going on. Even if it's crazy in the back, you just need to handle it. But there are so many stories that are left untold. Good things, bad things, funny things, shocking things that I had to write it down. At least what I witnessed. I also wanted to talk about the trials and hardships of the industry. The thankless job that it is, because it is a thankless job. I mean, I do a whole section on owners and just how much an owner can affect their staff and the business. Because I have worked for so many different types of owners over the years that I don't even, <laughs> I hear the word owner sometimes and I roll my eyes. And that's not to say there's not good ones out there. But the, the, whale, the, the machine, the, the fuel, the energy, the, the heartbeat of these places that you go and frequent, that you have your drinks at, that you dance at, that you eat at, that's not from the owners. The owner's just some guy or girl who got the opportunity to open something. And if they've worked in the industry, they've forgotten all about it. And they're in an owner mentality. That's all they are. They got the backing and that's it. The real people that make that place are the people you see when you walk in that door. From the server, the host, the busboy, the barback, the bartender, the entertainment. Those are the people. Nobody knows that that server sitting there on her fifth shift in a row, which are typically everybody thinks, oh yeah, well, you know, you're, you're scheduled, you're only scheduled till 10, really? Then why is she leaving at two in the morning? Not making tips. Been off the clock since 10. Rolling silverware, cleaning, checking people out. But not making tips, just making a whopping 2.13 an hour. And then guess what? Whatever they decide to give her because she's not making tips is getting eaten up by taxes. And those tips that are now a majority on credit card are being 40% taxed. So your $10 tip, yeah, she's only getting 60% of that. So God forbid she's got to split those or he's got to split those. But my point is nobody realizes that these, these people have been there 12, 13 hours. There are guys and girls and women, women and men making, you know, $150,000 a year that work six hours a day. Good for them. But meanwhile, you've got somebody on their fifth shift working 12 hours a day, and they're not done yet. And their days off are a Monday. <laughs> when, you know, if they're lucky, they can get a Sunday off. Sundays and Mondays off. And one of those days, their husband has to work and their kids are in school. So they get a day with their family. That's it. 
but it's a thankless job that has some remarkable people in it at times and some horrible owners. And as I was writing this book, it was hard for me. And I got to tell you, this book almost didn't get, didn't happen because I had to rewrite so much because I was told you can't put that in there. You can't say that you can't, you can say those names, but you could get, you're open yourself up for a lawsuit. And I'm like, who's going to come after me, Mr. Average Joe. But because of what I was saying, there were so many other lawsuits because some of this stuff I say is not great. I talk about some certain owners and they could view it as slander unless I call up a bunch of witnesses um, that were there for the situation. So I had to change it because I was getting, I was told, Hey, you can't say that. So I had to go back and once again, which would be the third time rewrite a lot of stuff. Now, did I, did I take stuff out? I took some stuff out that I thought was pointless. We know going back and looking at it from a different objective, I thought it was pointless, but no, when I talk about the owners there, that's still there. When I talk about what I witnessed at a nightclub, multiple nightclubs, (laughs) yeah. When I talk about getting, you know, punched in the face and then punching someone in the face, yeah, that's still there. Robbed, that's still there. But it almost didn't happen. And I know how difficult it is for me to really put something out there that you believe in my buddy Ken, who I, you know, I recorded that show with him months ago, last year, technically, I guess that was only a couple of weeks ago, but it just came out really bad. It just came out so bad. Not, not the conversation, but because he lives out in like Narnia. Okay. And for some reason between phone and internet, like I think I could live in the pyramids of Egypt and have better cell reception. Dude, Osama bin Laden had Wi-Fi in a cave and my buddy Ken has like no Wi-Fi. So I don't, I don't know what's going on there. It sucks. Um, so when we were recording it, it kept on cutting back, but I'm actually gonna, I've actually spliced it together enough that I can do a nice little intro and give segments of it. And I think I'm going to do it. And hopefully one day, cause he's back in Michigan now, we can get together and, and, and do the topic again. Because he's written a book. He's finished his second, I believe, and he's working on his third. And what he said and what I remember from the interview is he's about to put the other two out simultaneously, I believe. But he is a writer on a different level. He is a grand, grandiose writer, meaning he wants to world create. He wants to dive into these characters. He, you know, That's what he does. That's what he likes. He's got his genre and it's not to say that he can't write in other stuff because he has but that's his sweet spot i'm not that guy the zombie thing was probably my farthest stretched writing because i created a world i created characters i created a story of what happened in pivotal moments but for me i want to go more on the autobiography level because I read those stories. I just finished Dave Grohl's book, and it's amazing. He's got some amazing stories in there, amazing musical stories and just things that have just a good storytelling book. And he's not an average guy. I know that. 
Nirvana and Foo Fighters and what, what's the other bands? Uh, Dirty Old, is it Dirty Old Crows or Crooked Old Vultures or something? And then what's that other band? I don't know. But he's been a ton of, a ton of projects and, you know, tours all across the world. So I know he's not the average Joe, but his, he's a great storyteller. And I read Nikki Six's book, The Heroin Diaries. And these are all major celebrities. And that's why I thought to myself, look, I have been through some things. Okay, I've never been on heroin. But I know people that have been hooked on drugs that I lost to drugs. Okay? They talked about crossing the border to Mexico with all kinds of cocaine and heroin. Well, I crossed the border to Canada with all kinds of alcohol and drugs too. So... The only reason you're reading about him is because he's Nikki Six. So I was like, let's talk about this stuff. And all those things from the writing to my stories to the podcast, it came together. And that's why I think this book will be great because I know so many people in the service industry and I know a lot of people started off there. There's a lot of people that just, you know, don't work in the service industry anymore at all, but they have or they know somebody and they know the troubles and they know the, the, the joys and the pain of the service industry. And I want to get it out there. Especially right now. I think now more than ever, I'm almost positive that I made the right decision by not bringing that book out when I did. Because with the pandemic, I think a lot more people have left the service industry. Matter of fact, I know a lot more people have left the service industry. And the people that are staying there are experiencing a lot of a lot of problems from staffing, supplying, from customer, mar- you know, from customer base, from marketing, potential closures. There are major, major restaurant chains that have shut down for good and shut down multiple locations and have all adjusted their hours because of what's going on and what has gone on over the last couple of years. So I think now more than ever, there's a lot of people that'll read that and go, yeah, I've been there. And then there's a lot of people that maybe never worked in the service industry and have no idea what it's about, but will read it and go, wow. Now, granted, I'm just one dude. That's my perspective and my experience. Everybody has a different, you know, experience in what they do. You know, my high school experience is vastly different than yours. It's vastly different than my sister's, you know, um, it's just the way it is. But I think if you read this book, I think you'll get something from it. And that's my hopes. And I've had a lot of support. And I apologize to so many people that have been waiting, emailing me, bugging me. I do apologize. Because it is a lot of you. <laughs> you know, it's not Stephen King level by any means. But it's a lot of you. And I'm sorry. I just, look. I'm a busy dude. And... I'm really good at planning things and I'm really good at executing things, but sometimes my plate is so full that I don't think people realize that. I mean, I've always had people, man, Brandon, how do you, how did you, how do you record this, do this show, work, write, write for movie web, um, (laughs) be with your son, raise your son, uh, do the other stuff that everybody does in life, you know clean, work out, pay your bills. How do you have time? Oh, and then how do you have time to go here? And how do you have time to be on Soundwave? And how do you have time to do this? And I don't know. But something usually gets uh, usually gets um, set or falls by the wayside. 
And the book got put on hold because I got really frustrated. That's the reality of it. I just got super frustrated. On a financial level, I got frustrated. And I got frustrated I had to go back and make corrections because I'm a baby and I want to throw a temper tantrum. And I hate it. I don't want to make corrections. Look, if I, you know... If you get offended by what I say in the book, and if somebody wants to sue me for it, then let's go. But let's be real. I can't afford it, and I'd probably lose. So, no. I'm still being told by some people that I'm going to catch some flack. I say bring it. It's not the first time I've gone and pissed up somebody's leg, and it won't be the last. I'm 43 years old. Tell me if I care. <laughs> if I catch some flack, maybe they shouldn't have been crappy. I don't know. But everything I say in the book is true. And I do have witnesses to back it up. Most of them. Some of them don't even like me. But hey, they'll back it up. And it's not all bad. There's some really funny moments in there. And there's some really fun moments in there too. And there's some moments that actually brought me to tears, to be honest with you. So I'm really excited about this. And right now, just to let you guys know, I said a book was going to be out last January. (laughs) We're in January. We got a couple months, guys. A couple months to get this thing out. Potentially, it won't be a month. I just know. I know it won't be a month. I've heard that the timeline is a couple months based on everything that has to be done. And it's, it's not as much as you think. Just things move slow. Just the way it is. But I want to tell you that that's how close we are. That is how close we are. And soon, I'm going to put up the new website for the Life of an Average Joe podcast. And there'll be a little uh, cover art there for the book. And you can sign up for it to receive it when it comes in. I will not be taking any money from you guys uh, until it's available, of course. But you can sign up because it is gonna only going to be limited copies. Then I'm going to go to some on-demand printing. But the first run, I want to have limited copies on so I can sign it and crap like that. Um, and keep some on hand so I can just give away. We'll also talk about doing a little tiny fun tour, a little book tour, which I'm excited about. Yeah. Totally cool. It'll only be at a couple spots, but it'll be fun. And it's only going to be in Texas, but, you know, I'm a little guy. And then, uh, believe it or not, there is going to be a second one. Yeah. My life behind bars is not the end of the Life of an Average Joe series. It's called The Life of an Average Joe. That's it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I just wanted to, I just was waiting for the dramatic pause. <laughs> it's called The Life of an Average Joe. Dot dot the love life. No, wait, what's it called? What did I write? Let me write. I forgot what I wrote it down. Let me get, let me pull it out here. Oh yeah, there it is. Stupid. See? Totally can't even sell it right now. <laughs> the life of an average Joe. Dot dot. An average love life from an average Joe. That's what it is. So and I'm going to look at, uh, this will be great, look at relationships um, <laughs> that I've had over the course of 40-whatever years. I mean, let's be real. I wasn't dating when I was three. I mean, I don't think so. Maybe. Luke might be already. I don't know. But that's what it's looking at. I just think there's some good stories and lessons to be told and learned from my mistakes. And that's going to be interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to figure out how I'm going to. Because that one, I'm going to tell you right now, is pretty much written. I wrote that one really fast because I started it in the middle of this one (laughs) and then I finished it and then I went back to this one. So I got to edit it and all that, but I think it'll be a fun, fun book. I think it's going to be funny. 
Uh, might be a little sad at times, but I think there's a lesson. I think it's a retrospective, so to speak, on relationships. But I think it can be applied to all of us, even though it's talking about key ones in my life and not all focused on my last one. It's looking back, the road that leads you to where you are today and the choices we make. So I think it'll be fun. I don't know. That one people might not like. But I'm really excited about the uh, this one, and I, I thank everybody. So I got the website uh, relaunching, you know, because I, I, I ended Toy Cars on the nightstand. I, I still think that was a great thing. I think it served its purpose um, when I ended that and when I wrote it. I still think there's some some love there, you know. I, I ended the podcast of Toy Cars on the Nightstand. I think there's something to that as well, but I think I'm just going to kind of tie in those stories and my experiences with this podcast and Life of an Average Joe series. So I had to revamp the uh, website, but the website will be back up uh, very quickly here, actually. It might, might be back up this weekend. I'll let you guys know, and there'll be a spot for you to click on for the T-shirts and stickers, brand new stickers that I haven't advertised in a long time. And I've just been waiting for the new year, but holding all this stuff in for the new year, and we're here, and we're moving forward. So, ain't no stopping me. But that's a little deep dive into the book, a little history on why I wanted to write it, a little, you know, just a little bit of everything. The reasons why, how I enjoyed writing, all that stuff. So I just wanted to let you know that. So I hope you guys come back and listen to more of the Life of an Average Joe podcast. I hope you guys check out the website. hope you guys are going to be into the book. And uh, don't forget, you can always listen to the episodes, past episodes you missed, right on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcast, all that. And catch me on social media across the universe, Twitter, <laughs> good old Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Soundwave. Just look up Life of an Average Joe podcast. Won't be that hard to find. Trash Talk, every Tuesday, 8 a.m. with Stuart Sachs. And that's it from me. I'm going to go. I'll be back next week with another podcast. Oh, I'm so excited. I think we're wrapping up the season soon here. Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure we are. Next week, though, is going to be a real good one, guys. A real good one. And that's all I'm going to say. So check it out. And thanks again.